Hello, welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnston. I am the founder of the Living Undeterred website and blog and podcast. And I'm very, very excited today to announce a special guest, um, a good friend of mine and somebody who's been an important part of our life as we have navigated through this this journey that we currently are on. Uh, Kevin Rinker is with the AJGA and the American Junior Golf Association. As those people who have followed our story know, um, golf consumed me for a while after our son Seth passed away from a heroin overdose in uh, October 4th of 2016. Matter of fact, one of my chapters in my book is Golf Saved My Life. And so I'm very excited to have a conversation with Kevin. Uh, Kevin has been an advocate of junior golf. He's become a friend of mine and he's been a big supporter of what the American Junior Golf Association has and is doing. So with, uh, with that, I will introduce Kevin. And um, Kevin, again, very uh, happy you're here today. And I look forward to having a, a lengthy and in-depth conversation with you over the next hour or so. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Well, Jeff, I'm honored to be here. Um, I, you know, it's hard to live up to something that like what you just said. So they're, they're probably at the end of this, they're going to be thinking, well, they must have, he must have introduced one guy and somebody else showed up for this. Um, but uh, I'm super excited to be here as well. Uh, you know, we've gotten to know you and your family very well over the last four or five years. Uh, so for us, it's been, uh, it's become a personal story as well. Uh, and so a lot of fun for us. I, uh, I'm, you know, I live just north of Atlanta right now, which is where the uh, AJJ is headquartered up in, uh, in Brazelton, Georgia, near Chateau Elan, uh, which is a very nice golf club and, and winery. Um, and I'm originally from, grew up in, uh, in the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, I've been in sports and sports marketing for about 35 years, which uh, sometimes is hard to uh, admit, uh, in various forms and fashions uh, across a couple of teams in the NBA, uh, NFL football, and some of those things. And uh, really got into to golf and got into the AJGA purely uh, you know, by accident uh, back in 2007. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in golf. Uh, I can talk a little bit about, you know, the AJJ, how I got introduced here in it. Um, you know, for me, it, it, a lot of it goes back to, to people like your son, Ian, uh, and my introduction to the kids. So I was with a hospitality and travel company. We uh, signed on to do a PGA Tour title sponsorship in 2007. And, uh, Strangely enough, uh, you know, I was the sports guy at Wyndham, and they said, you're going to run the PGA Tour title sponsorship. And so I did, and quickly thereafter, the tournament director for the Wyndham was a former AJGA guy and said, you need to get involved in sponsoring boys' uh, events because this is your future tour players. And so we did, I did, uh, and I absolutely fell in love with the kids, fell in love with the parents, uh, fell in love with, with what the organization did. We ended up taking on a few more sponsorship uh, opportunities with the AJGA. And eventually in 2014, I was asked to join the board. Uh, And every step of the way, um, I just saw a culture and an organization that did things the right way and made every decision based on some boy, some girl, somewhere in the United States that they were going to have an impact on. And I just, uh, 2017, I got asked to come over and run the the foundation full-time. And I said, absolutely. Uh, at that point, I had drank all the Kool-Aid I could drink, and I knew this was a perfect place to be. And, and so I've just uh, since then uh, loved it even more. 
Uh, we got some great families, about 7,000 members, and I tell people all the time, wow. I, would, I would go have dinner, coffee, have a glass of wine. If we've got 7,000 members, I'd go to, to do any of that with everybody but about three or four people. Um, that's how great the people are. And you don't hear that in, in a lot of you know youth sports and junior sports and that sort of thing. We've just got great kids, great families. So uh, I'm happy to be here. I love what I'm doing and uh, super excited about the AJGA. Well, the um, I, I'm not sure if I defined it, but the AJGA stands for the American Junior Golf Association. And um, just to give you a quick background of how I how I stumbled into it, like every every dad out there with a young golfer when they're two years old and they're on the tee box, we think we're the next Earl Woods and and Tiger and uh, you know Rory and Justin Thomas and all these guys and. You know, as they get older, especially in Iowa, you know, it's very difficult for us to find quality tournaments. So we typically start with our local optimist clubs and uh, the Cedar Rapids Optimist has a tremendous influence on junior golf. They do a super job. And Zach Johnson, this is the hometown of Zach Johnson. And uh, we were lucky enough to join Elmcrest Country Club back in 2006. I think it was the year before Zach won the Masters. He won in 2007. And Zach's a local legend here. He came up through the ranks and was unrecruited in, in high school and went to Drake and had a step, had a good college career. It wasn't, you know, first team all American stuff. And this, the legend is that Zach came to his dad apparently and said, his dad's like, well, you got your degree now go out in the business world. And Zach's like, well, dad, there's this thing called the Hooters tour. I think I want to go, I want to go give it a try. I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but that's kind of the lore now, the, the mythology behind Zach. And he went out and the rest is history. And there's a lot of young men and women in, in, in young golf that see these, these stories. And so anyway, peeling back to us, I mean, I started going around to the uh, Iowa Juniors Golf Association. Um, and uh, Tess Gowdy was the, the person, she's still involved here locally with the Iowa club, played in, in junior tournaments, three and nine hole tournaments. And then Ian got a little bit older. We started playing in, in 18 hole tournaments. And then I remember when he was about 10, we were walking with some parents and somebody said, you ought to try this tour called the Plantations Tour. And I had never heard of it. And we decided to look online. And this was really the beginning of the explosion of social media with being able to sign up for tournaments. And now, now you guys, everything's run by, by the internet. And so we went and did some Plantation Tour events. And then ultimately the Hurricane Tour came in and bought the Plantation Tour. And again, Tiger Woods was involved with, with that. I think he's a, he's a uh, investor in the hurricane tour. I met a gentleman by the name of Paul Ellis, who's in my book. And as I find out later, Paul's daughter, Lindsay died from an autoimmune disease. And when she was a teenager, and then again, that's another golf story that takes up a chapter in my book. And so then I started thinking, okay, Ian played in some of these events and he won. And I thought, okay, where do I raise the bar? And there was this, Bucket list, AJGA. I'm like, oh my, this is like the PGA for junior golf. Everyone said, this is, this is where you want your kids to play if they want to play college golf. You've got to play the AJGA. So I said, okay, I want to enter in a tournament. Eh, you, you have to have stars. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I could just write a check. You know, you guys won't take my check. So then I had to go back and we had to relearn how to qualify for tournaments and stuff. And, and, and Ian then, I think he won a hurricane event and, Next thing you know, we enter AJGA and, um, he never really did super great. I think he did a top 20 one time in Ohio, uh, at, um, the memorial, I think. And then magic happened, man. And I spent a whole, uh, part in the book about the journey of, of that moment in St. Louis when Ian won that AJGA event. Man, it was, um, 
It's one of the greatest moments of my life, and it really has little to do with golf. I mean, it has a lot to do with just humanity and love and compassion and and the culture and the family that that supported us when when our son died. And and for those that are new to the, to this story, I'm on the living undeterred mindset that I've kind of stumbled into. It's it's trying to be resilient and finding coping mechanisms to survive. You know, life that you know, life is life. You know, it's it's chaotic. It's unfair. It's, it's unjust. It's mean. It's cruel. But it's beautiful. And it's awe-inspiring and it's special and it's it's very uh very fleeting it's short i mean our time here is very short so anyway um so that's the background with the ajga and again i have some other things i want to talk about as well but i think going back to the uh, beginning of the ajga kevin um what were the first hurdles you guys have i know when i interviewed beth in the book she talked about and i I'm, i didn't prep for this but i think is it stephen hamblin is he kind of the is is he the director the director that kind of had this vision about that? Was it something you guys just Steve probably thought? Well, we got to get a, 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 an, a, an organization together that allows junior golfers to compete at the highest level, and then I want I want you to kind of segue into recruiting because that's where I struggle the most as, as as a parent with with trying to get Ian exposure to colleges. So I know I threw a lot at you there. But that's the world of ADD. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen, you know, and Stephen's been here. Uh, it was actually an organization that was started in Atlanta by uh, two guys who really were not looking to create this national footprint for junior golf. They were just trying to figure out how to have events for kids, for you know, to, to, uh, to, to let them play and, and try to figure out if, you know, much like Little League or AAU baseball or whatever. And so... Uh, they started some local events. They eventually hired Stephen. Uh, Stephen's now been with the organization um, as the executive director for you know more than 35 years. Um, and he just had a vision um, that continued to grow. And as they started doing more you know local events and that grew to regional events and eventually that grew to, to you know sort of a national footprint. But I mean, it's just it's sort of driven by the market as well because, you know, you, t- you talk to kids who played. I mean, you talk to Zach, and Zach would probably tell you when he played AJJ golf, there might have been twenty-five events. And right. we talked to kids who played as recently as in the you know in the mid two thousands, and they were like, "Well, yeah, it feels like there were about 55, 60 events, maybe." And and here we are today, you know, on our calendar. Uh, if things go well with COVID, we could do one hundred and thirty events this year. In about wow. you know, in about 30, 37, 38 states. Um, and so it's just really grown and it's grown because there's been a, a, a call for it from people like yourself who say, you know what, I see this as an opportunity for my child, boy or girl, um, and I, you know, I just want to play junior golf. And we're, our position in this, again, one of the reasons I love the AJJ is because I was able to see it from the outside looking in. Um, and uh-huh. so I'm able to speak from an inside position looking out now with some real... Um, you know, I don't know if integrity is the right word, but just knowing that they were spending my money as a corporate partner and I loved how they spent my money. So now I can sit in the other seat and look at people in the eye and go, look, I'm telling you that we're going to treat your donations really well. We're going to treat your kids really well. We're going to make the decisions all the time based on what's right for a boy or a girl, not what's right for the organization or not what's, you know, how we're going to make the most money. Uh, and it's because of that the organization has just continued to evolve, continued to be uh, a center of excellence. And to your point, you know, you said, Jeff, it's, it is the PGA Tour of junior golf. It's where kids who are elite want to come play. 
Um, and right. then what we've done is we've created a really, really good relationship with, with two organizations, the USGA and the NCAA. And because of that, we provide an opportunity from a very elite level for amateur junior golfers. And mm -hmm. so now the college coaches come. So it's just kind of this perfect storm where when you start to create events, college coaches see their elite players, they start to show up. Then people like Jeff Johnson go, you know what? I got to get my kid playing there because I know college right. coaches are headed there. So we have right. some, we have a, a database of college coaches that we communicate with on a regular basis that they can log into our coaches site on our website. And I'm talking not like 300, but I'm talking like 3000 college coaches right. that we intimately communicate with, keep them posted. They can go on and look at kids' swing videos if they're not able to travel. They can find out information on how the kids are performing in tournaments and what equipment they're using, all of that stuff that just helps educate them and reduces the stress from a recruiting standpoint for college coaches and for parents. Well, I think well, Ian now is a, he's a, well, he's a sophomore academically at South Dakota in Vermilion, South Dakota. And he's, it would be a freshman if, if he takes advantage of the extra year, which I'm sure he will. Um, and he had, he had the adjustment. I mean, he, he had a pretty dominant junior, junior career. Um, you know, he was four-time MVP in high school here. He was the state leader in stroke average in 4A, which is the big schools here in Iowa. But man, when he got to college, it, it knocked him back. I mean, the AJGA definitely prepared him well, but nothing prepares you well until your feet are thrown into the fire, you know, and, um, he struggled. He struggled that first semester. Um, he made honor roll academically, he did great in school, but, Golf was a tough transition. I mean, his his scores were decent, but they weren't decent enough to make the first tournament, and and that that motivated him. And I think the AJGA for me really prepared Ian for adversity and playing against the best junior golfers in the world. I mean, you guys pull in. That's that's one of the the myths is people think well, it's a it's an American golf tour. Well. I don't know what your foreign exposure is, but every tournament we were in, Ian was paired with someone from Japan or Russia or you name it. Uh, it was awesome. It was absolutely, and he still has some of his good friends that he communicates on social media that he's met through the AJGA. Um, it, it's awesome. So um, I want to talk about something that, again, going back to my story a little bit, and I want to get into leadership links because I, I owe leadership links uh, some time on this podcast. What's such a beautiful idea you guys came up with? Absolutely, uh, home run. You, you guys hit a hole in one. I think I, I call it my book. You know, when, when our son, for people that are new to my podcast, um, my oldest son, Seth, died of a heroin overdose on October 4, 2016, on the day of districts, uh, Ian's sophomore year. And I opened the book with the story where I was taking the clubs out of the trunk and all, every dad, every mom is all excited and, I was going to run home and pick up my wife and we were going to drive up and watch Ian play. And Ian's the number one golfer and Prairie had never made state before. And this was our year And at six 30 in the morning. My phone rang and my life changed forever. And, um, at that moment I did, I made a decision not to tell Ian Kevin and like every parent that has these opportunities given to them. I decided that nothing good would be coming to tell Ian at that moment, his brother died and for him to go, you know, uninterrupted, um, unburdened and enjoy his day that he worked so hard for. And his brother wasn't coming back. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to do that and actually affect the other kids and, and the momentum of that day. So I selfishly in a way got in the car and drove home 
And then my only focus was how do I tell my wife that our son is dead? Which, you know, I, I, I talk about in the book how I pulled that off, calling my dad and getting some guidance. But anyway, fast forward later, um, I sat down with Ian after, after we raised some money on a GoFundMe. That was the first thing we did. The family decided to raise some money and we donated to ASAC, which is where my son was a patient for uh, alcohol and substance abuse. And Seth, before he died, was a patient there for 45 days, which I'm on the board of directors now of ASAC. So one thing that chaos does is it, for, it forces you to get involved in things that you weren't uh, interested in. But anyway, so I was sitting around with Ian and I go, Ian, I don't feel like we're doing enough, man. I, I want to honor Seth and I want to help people that are having problems with addiction and substance abuse. And just somehow I came across Leadership Links on, on an AJGA. You guys are great at promoting it. And I thought, Leadership Links, what the heck is this? And I I looked and I thought, oh my gosh, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. I called Beth Doctor up and Beth gave me the whole spiel about it. I signed up and then immediately Ian started using this birdies for charity type thing. The local newspaper got a hold of it. Kevin uh, KJ Pilcher called one night, interviewed Ian. The next day, he's on the front page of the sports as we're heading into a golf tournament. You know, all these parents are coming up, hugging me and crying. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? They're like, hey, you haven't seen the sports page? But it all started because of leadership links because I didn't have a, a platform to tell our story and to raise money. And you guys just... Like I said, hit a hole in one with this. And so we, we started raising money and the rest is history. The Des Moines Register reached out. Uh, CBS Sports flew out, stayed for four days, did a documentary. Zach Johnson got involved, narrated it. It's on the internet. Um, and then I, <laughs> I found out about this award application that I could submit for Ian called Jerry Cole, which again, I want you to kind of talk about that as well. So that's your setup for leadership links. Who came up with this idea and. Man, I tell you what, if, if you're in the, if you're a, if you're a parent of a junior golfer and you're in the AJGA and you are not in leadership links, I got to hold back here because I'm going to get, I'm going to get upset. You need to get involved in leadership links. What you guys do is absolutely phenomenal, Kevin. It, it, it's, it is so amazing. And it, you know, it's, I'll, let me start by saying Beth Doctor is really the one who started it. I mean, Beth had this idea, birthed it. Um, she is so super passionate about it still, loves to talk about it. But it was just an idea, and it was it was a way to, to sort of build character, develop some things in kids. And I don't think at the beginning we had any idea what it was going to become. Um, and now it has just, I mean, it's become this thing that's my favorite thing we do. I actually think, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talk, you just mentioned that you think we do a good job promoting it. I actually think it's still underserved because I think mm -hmm. it's the best thing that we do. Um, I right. think it's something that parents really care about college coaches love to hear about and it's just it's one of those things that when golf is is put in perspective what's really important is these things like leadership links and the ace grants and some of the other things we do but when you can take a 15 or 16 year old boy or girl and they can get engaged in doing something that not only benefits them personally but has an impact on a community has an impact on you know their family that becomes so much more than golf. And I just, I look at it sometimes and I'm still amazed. Um, I'm still amazed that I was a sponsor and on the board. And it wasn't until I walked in the door here in 2017 and I'm like, I need to dig into this a little bit. I need to figure out what is Leadership Links. And the more I dug into it, the more I'm like, we're not telling this story enough. Um, and it is amazing. I mean, it's it's about character development. It's about integrity. It does, it, it just speaks to our mission statement. But it's, it's one boy, it's one girl, it's a kid somewhere in the middle of 
of South Dakota or a girl in the middle of upstate New York and saying, I found this thing that's important to me. It's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. And I want to do something about that. And we've been able to create a program that comes alongside them, creates the, the structure, the formality that allows them, empowers them to go out and start doing what they want to do, which is making a difference. Mm-hmm. And it can be it can be giving hours to support a charity. It can be raising money to support a charity. As right. long as it's a nonprofit, that money can be, can you know can go to support that charity. And we're you know we're getting close to a. I mean we're getting close, Jeff. I don't know if you know you'll hear sometime this year because I know we'll pass it. We're at about three point nine million dollars in charitable wow. dollars raised. And I, I it's always important for me to stress that that's not the AJGA. That's kids like Ian. That's kids, you know, all across the country who have been part of this. We're, we're over 3,000 kids who have participated. We've supported more than 3,800 different charities. But it's really a misnomer when I say we, because the we right. is really the kids. The kids have done that. We're just, we're just blessed to be part of it and to, to come alongside them and, and support them and give them some structure uh, create websites, write letters, you know, give them some tips via email, but they've got to go out and do the heavy lifting, which is going out and saying, knocking on doors and going, hey, I've got this charity that I want to raise money for. It's yeah. called ASAC, and here's what ASAC does. And by the way, would you give me $5 for every birdie? Or would you give me $50? Because this is what I'm doing. It's, it's the kids are the ones who are have pushed us just north of $3.9 million, and it's pretty incredible. The great thing about this is when we were raising money for Leadership Links, I guess I wasn't aware of the ACE grant program. Um, I kind of naively just thought about basically thing. Well, not naively, but I thought about Seth. I thought about, well, how can I raise money and honor him and help out junior golfers? And, um, so when I, when people raise money for leadership links and the money's kind of split in back, I mean, this was a couple of years ago that, that Ian was, was involved. Now he's in college. He's not, but. Um, he's still raising money. But anyway, so half the money went to the organization that the golfer subscribed to. So it could be a cancer thing. It could be alcohol substance abuse. It could be mothers against drunk driving. It could be sexual abuse, whatever thing that 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 child uh, or the child that junior golfer uh, subscribes to or has a, a lot of um, belief in. And then the other half went to the ACE grant program. Spend a few minutes here telling me uh, the the idea behind that because that that just makes this thing even. I know awesomer isn't a word, but <laughs> it makes it awesomer, <laughs> right? So you know the, the 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 decision to take the money that was raised for charity and split it fifty percent to the local charity or the cause that the, the junior golfer was interested in, and fifty percent for our ACE grant was you know our, our portion of that was that we were you know we were writing letters and we were creating you know websites and we were building you know websites dropping pictures and doing all the stuff that helps the kid then all they really got you know they've got to ask for the money uh, and then we process the payments and we pay the fees and that sort of thing associated with that but what our half of the money ends up doing for us is is helping to fund a program called the achieving competitive excellence grant or ace grant our mission again is to help you know, develop character of young men and women and let them use competitive golf as a vehicle to try to earn a college scholarship. Well, when you look at kids who don't have the financial capability to play a regional schedule or a national schedule, then they need some help somehow. And so this program was designed, it was actually launched 
uh, really on, right on the back end of the first tea announcement uh, uh, about, you know, about 19, 20 years ago in Central Park when the first tea sort of had this big press conference and kicked off and said, we're going to build a program. We're going to go into urban areas. We're going to go into underserved markets. We're going to create a program and teach kids and introduce them to the game of golf. And our executive director, Stephen Hamblin, left that press conference and said, who's going to take care of these kids after they get introduced to the game of golf and decide that they want to play? And so the ACE grant was born out of that. Um, and we have, uh, we've given back to uh, about 2,900 juniors. We've given almost $5 million, $5 million actually $5.3 million to. Um, and that money is used strictly to allow them to offset the expenses of traveling to play golf, whether it's airfare, hotel, rental car, um, meals. And again, it's designed so that if Johnny's family can afford it, but Tommy's family can't, then Tommy's family can apply for this ACE grant, get the money, and it allows them to do everything that, that they want to do. And the, the beauty of it is it was designed in, in I don't want to say in partnership with, but under the... Um, the approval of the NCAA and the USGA so that kids could get money but still maintain their non, you know, their uh, amateur status and not lose out on playing college and that sort of thing. So that's a good point. I guess I never considered that aspect of it. I know when we did our book, um, and by the way, this is, um, this is my book that I wrote and that's, that's my son Seth, but we were advised by his golf coach that Ian cannot sign any copies of the book because the NCAA rules, which don't even get me going on that. I mean, this this is a book to honor his brother who died, and there's all the money goes into a nonprofit. So, but we just figured out, you know, the NCAA has these crazy things. So yeah, I could see where you don't want the ace grant money to prohibit some junior golfer. You're trying to do good, and all of a sudden you you end up doing bad unintentionally. But um, where do you see junior golf going? I, I've seen a tremendous evolution, uh, all all mostly positive. Um, but where do you see junior golf going? Obviously, in a COVID world, it makes it very... I mean, I fly off on Sunday to Arizona to see Ian play in a tournament. And last week when he was in Florida, we couldn't go. So, you know, I had to watch online, which is even worse because you sit there and hit the refresh button all for four hours. <laughs> uh, I'd much rather sit there and watch him hit a ball out of bounds live. Um, but anyway, so where do you see junior golf going? I mean, what's the, what's the short and long-term plans for the AJGA? You know, I, I think we want to be part of a broader conversation about junior golf. Um, I, you know, again, I, I, we don't ever, I think, you know, we don't we don't make any excuses for being an elite level junior golf organization, and we run very elite events where they feel right. like PGA Tour events, and and it, it gives kids that feeling when they step on the first tee and hear their name announced and they see the signage and all that stuff that that this is the real deal, and it's a college preparation. Um, you know, uh, program. Uh, but there are so many good, I mean, U.S. Kids Golf does a fantastic oh, job yeah. of getting kids going in that, you know, six and seven and eight-year-old age group and on up. Um, state organizations do an outstanding job. And in some states, the high school golf associations are really good. Right. So we really want to be part of sort of a broader group of golf organizations that are just providing a platform uh, a place for kids to play. And if a kid evolves into a boy or girl evolves into an elite level junior golfer, wants to, you know, to try to play college golf, we believe that we put on some really, really good tournaments and, and we hope that they'll come and, and, and join our organization and play events. I, I don't see golf going away. Um, I, in fact, I think it will continue to grow. 
um, because of kids and, and families who got introduced to it during COVID and parents who said, well, we can't do that and you can't go do that, but we do, we're members at a local club or the local you know, municipal course is open and let's go get some fresh air, let's go get a little exercise and let's go play. So I, I think the game is going to continue to grow. I think our role, um, if, you, if, you know, if I had to speak specifically to what our role is going to be in, in probably the longer term, um, really would evolve into a conversation about diversity and inclusion because that's the direction yeah. we're heading as it relates to uh, staffing and internship and, and uh, events. And I mean, we've got some really amazing events. We just got Harold Varner III uh, introduced last year. He launched his first AJGA event uh, with to a huge yeah. amount of success uh, in about seven days, the Cameron Champ. Uh, Cameron Champ's grand grandfather passed away, and Cam and his dad wanted to do something to honor his grandfather, and so they're going to host a um, an event, you know, for kids of color. Uh, we've got 13 Ace Grant kids that are playing in that event, but awesome. it's there are players who are starting to understand their role in being able to give back, um, and so from a diversity standpoint, from an inclusion standpoint. We've kind of been asked, because of where we are in the hierarchy, we're not the PGA Tour, we're not the LPGA Tour, we're not even the Corn Ferry or Symmetra, but we have a voice in golf and we have a, a, a position of leadership. And so we've been asked by some of those organizations to just sort of step out in leadership as it relates to diversity and inclusion because we can and we can try some things and we can do some things that maybe some other organizations you know, need, need to, to, to sort of figure out. And so we feel pretty confident and pretty excited that, that people are like, why don't you guys take the lead on some of these initiatives? And we're like, absolutely. So we're looking at, we're, we're actually, you know, we run our own junior events, but it's so important to us that we're actually engaged in a conversation around maybe putting together an HBCU event for historically black mm -hmm. colleges and universities, because we feel it's important that we be on the front end of the diversity and inclusion conversation, be leaders in the space, um, give more kids uh, opportunities to play, and uh, and, and that's you know it's self serving too because it helps grow our ace grant program in, in a lot of respects. When you talk about some of these HBCUs, they don't have budgets like you know right. like I mean even like a South Dakota you know I mean you guys might have a small budget compared to Arizona State, but there's always yeah. somebody who has a smaller budget. And so I just saw yeah. a story recently on a on an HBCU who the, the coach was having to get equipment donated because the team didn't have equipment. And so there's an opportunity there for all of us in the golf space to to come alongside some folks and say, hey, we're going to we're going to help create opportunity. We're going to help show the way. And the AJJ is really, really proud to be part of, I think, being in the, on the front end of that and leading it. I will tell you that when uh, Ian played in FCWTs, Hurricanes, you know, he's played in MHAGTs. The, that's the, the tour out of the Illinois, the Midwest, uh, June. Yeah, they are. And um, I was going to ask you, where is the AJGA and maybe the golf industry as a whole positioned for women's golf? Now, I'm the father of three sons. And, um, you know, I'm most everything I did is always traveling with other golfer, golf dads and moms, but of, of male golfers. Where is the um, women's golf industry? Or I guess, um, uh, is it well positioned right now? Or do you feel there's a tremendous room for improvement in that area? Can I answer yes to both of those? Because I think I it's, was hoping you would. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's very well positioned, and it's interesting you ask that because this is International Women's Month, you know, and and, uh -huh. and so we're we're um, again we're proud to be part of that conversation. 
Um, we, uh, and, and I'm going to give you some numbers that are not like, this is not 100% correct, but it's like I'm off maybe one number. And so like our staff, we have 65 people here at the office. We have, uh, we're just about 48%, 49% female, 51, 52% male. Of the people who run our tournaments, we actually have more females than males running our golf tournaments. So in our operations department, it's actually flipped. Um, uh, you know, when we run tournaments, um, we are all, uh, we used to take the approach that the best way to run a tournament was to design a field, whatever number that was, you know, say it's, let's say it's a hundred kids in the field. Let's, let's allocate spots based on our membership. Well, our membership traditionally has been somewhere around 65% male, 35% girls. So in that scenario, we would say, okay, 65 boys are going to get into this event, 35 girls. We've slowly been, even though the membership number's changing some, but not a lot, we're actually trending ahead now of the number of playing opportunities for females compared to the percentage of membership. Now, you as a parent of boys may go, oh, I'm not sure. And, and so th- we are having to, to sort of have that conversation with some folks and say, hey, look, you know, I, some, when you make a decision, there's always kind of the counter to, you know, to what right. you're doing. We just feel like it's the right thing to do to say we're going to provide more opportunities for girls. Membership-wise, there may be you know 60% boys and 40% girls, but the playing opportunities are going to start to look 50-50. Um, and, and part of that's because there's just more playing opportunities outside of the HHA for boys than there are for girls. There's more high school teams for boys than there are girls. There's more right. um, state-level events for boys than there are for girls. So we feel like our responsibility is to try to do everything we can uh, to level the playing field for the, for the girls as much as possible. Uh, and I'm going to look down for a second because I wanted to, we just did this amazing study on our own, on our own organization from a gender standpoint. Um, and I was just going to, sh- you know, uh, I was going to look at this real quick. So, yes, yeah, so we're like our top honors and awards, Rolex Junior All-Americans, uh, Wyndham mm-hmm. Cup teams, um, Junior Player of the Year, boys, uh, you know, uh, Board of Representatives and Player Reps, the Jerry Cole Award. All of those we've moved to in the last two years to just say, you know what, the right thing to do is to do that 50-50. So we no longer honor more boys than girls because there's more members. We say, you know what, we've got 48 boys and 48 girls who are going to be at Rolex All-Americans. We've got one male and one female board representative, um, you know, where we have a junior player sit on our our association board. Uh, we've, We've created just in the last two years, we said, why have one Jerry Cole Award? Why not have two and let's designate that one's for a girl and, and, and one's for a boy because we feel like equity, we feel like from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, it's the right thing to do. And we feel like right. we have a responsibility to set the standard for other organizations to look at how to do it right. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm just in awe of your, the creativity you guys are and the, the way you guys are always um, changing the needle and keeping ahead of everything. Uh, the... Out of all the awards Ian has been bestowed and, you know, again, his story and what's, what's awesome is he's got a lot of awards for golf, but it seems like the ones that mean the most to me are the ones that have, that aren't related to his play on the field. Um, there's, there's two awards that to me would embody the leadership links mindset and Ironically, it's not his winning that he had at the uh, AJGA. Um, and I just, 
selfishly happened to have his trophy here, Kevin, <laughs> with the AJGA. <laughs> Dad is proud of this. We worked, he worked hard for this. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you know, you know that we know that. Yeah. That when a kid, yeah. when a kid wins, uh, it's, uh, it's funny how you see the PGA and LPGA players. They're kind of like NASCAR drivers now. When they win, they're thanking a lot of people. They're thanking my team. Oh, yeah. and, my, and it's that's the same. I mean, when a, when a, when a 16-year-old boy or girl wins a tournament, they better be going, hey, mom and dad were getting up early every day and driving me to the range. They were, I mean, it's a it's a family commitment when you're playing. Well, that what made that story so special is the first round that we went down there to the Legends course and in, in Eureka, Missouri. And the local TV station had heard about Ian's fundraising through AJGA, through Leadership Link. So they came out and did an interview. They reached me the night before and they said, do you mind if we come out and do an interview? Well, Ian just happened to be, he shot three under and led the tournament that day. So I thought, oh man, this is just extra crap we don't need. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect, but I don't want Ian to get all caught up in this, you're great golfer. Let's win the tournament first. <laughs> and they came in and interviewed him. And that night we went to have pizza and there was Ian on the news and the second round, I think he shot one or two over and he still had a good, uh, like a couple shot lead. And then the third round, I remember, and I write about this in the book, kind of the drama that unfolded with um, James Roller and some of the other kids that were in the tournament. And I remember sitting up on the eighth green or the 18th green. And I told myself that day, I wasn't going to look at the live scoring all day because it's just, it's just, there's nothing good's going to come out of that. Even with, even with the lead, I'm going to get more stressed. So I didn't look to the 18th hole. And I'm sitting there in my little chair and Ian's on the tee box and I, I don't honestly know where he stands. And my friend Brian Barnhart came up to me, whose son Brock now is a sophomore at Iowa State. And um, he gave me a big hug because Brian has been through the battles with me and said, hey, it looks like your boy's going to win. And man, I tell you, Kevin, I just absolutely lost it. I just, I started crying and bawling and, and Ian came up the fairway and he hit in the bunker and then he shanked it up, <laughs> up by the left side of the green and he had a five shot lead. So, I mean, it didn't really matter, but he ends up bogeying. And, and that was one of the greatest moments of my life on the golf course. And, and it was winning the title. But I, I'll be honest with you, that was trumped by Ian winning the Jerry Cole Sportsmanship Award. And I, I to this day, um, I am amazed that he, A, was nominated. And I just happened to have that too in front of me, Kevin. <laughs> I carry this with me. It weighs about 200 pounds, but I carry this with me. But um, I write about Jerry Cole. I did some research on Jerry Cole and kind of his his hat thing that he used to do and kind of that, where that award came from. I wanted Ian to know such of the honor it was to win that award. And and the fact that it probably was the last year that you guys picked one male or female. It sounds like now you guys, which is the, which is the right decision. I just felt horrible for all the people that didn't win that award because – their stories were just as compelling as Ian's, but you guys have to make that tough decision. So I applaud you. I applaud you for for nominating Ian and for selecting him. And he is wearing that AJGA Jerry Cole Sportsmanship Award with honor. And I do want to take a second in the book. And uh, Ian did write his own speech at the at the Rolex All American Banquet. He got to speak, which was again another phenomenal experience. And man, you guys talk about rolling out the red carpet. That Rolex All-American journey we were on, even though, you know, Ian, Ian was there as a winner of an award, was absolutely amazing. Uh, it was like the Academy Awards. You, you guys just do a, with Rolex, you guys just do an absolutely phenomenal job making those kids feel like, you know, that's their day for the, for the, and it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. But I want to read this, what he said at the very end of his speech. 
And he wrote most of this. And this kind of became our catchphrase going on. But he says, uh, this room is full of great golfers with great accomplishments. I applaud all of you. However, please remember, you also have a tremendous opportunity to use golf to create great change in the world. Trophies gather dust, but making an impact in the lives of others will last forever. Thank you and good luck this week. Man, I tell you, that trophy gathers dust thing, I, I say that to him even when he does well in qualifying or he does something even academically. I say, that's great, Ian, but that's gathering dust now. And that's our little thing him and I have is, okay, it's time. Pat ourselves on the back. We got a job to do. We got more life to live, you know. So I will say, uh, again, thank you very much for that. And Ian's, we're, the Johnston family is very proud. And his older brother, Seth, is unbelievably proud of his little brother, even though Ian's six foot six. <laughs> um, he's still he's still always going to be little brother to Seth. Right. Yeah. You know, the um, gosh, the that award is excruciating for us because to your point, I can imagine there are so many good stories. And it's like you look at these things and, you know, quite frankly, when we went to two, it was the first thought was, well, there's just so many people that could win this. Let's add one. And then we thought, you know what? In fairness, if we're going to add one, we probably should add, a, you know, make it a male, female. But there are so many good stories, kids who are making major impact on a community. They're not always, you know, again, Ian's was so personal. And, and we have a lot of personal ones. We have oh, kids absolutely. Who, you know, we have kids who are, who, whose mom, you know, died of breast cancer and that sort of thing. But um, Ian's was so compelling because it was just it was just personal. Um, and I have that experience in my family. My wife's brother, uh, you know, committed suicide. So that's he's. I, like, I didn't know that, Kevin. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I did not know yeah, that. No, and I don't always. Yeah. I, I hardly ever talk about that. Um, sure. But you know, yeah. with you, I, I know that that I know that how you understand. And I don't. I tell my wife that I, I will never understand what, what she's gone through and her parents have gone through. But when it's a a story that's so personally compelling like that for Ian. I mean, we're sitting in this boardroom. You talk about losing it. I mean, we're like wiping our eyes. We're like, you know, how in the world do we pick a winner out of this? Um, right. And so for, for somebody like Ian to win it, um, that that award's special for our team because we uh, we require now. So there's a lot of things we've, we've recently evolved to. One of them is we require a kid to be part of Leadership Links. Boy or girl, they Absolutely. have to be part of Leadership Links in order to be a Jerry Cole yep. winner. The other thing, which I'm sorry we changed this after you left, but now if you're an award winner, you actually get to play in the Rolex event. So, uh, uh, you know, so uh, if you're... Well, Ian, Ian, Ian did play in well, that. He did. The uh, PJ National. But but he earned his way in, not because of the award, right? He, he wasn't... He I, right? No, I think I think he won it because of the award. Okay, because we had changed that recently. Yeah. We changed that... Um, you know, not too long. Now ago. I know he was. I know he was good enough, Kevin. But <laughs> yeah, okay. So he because um, we we do we felt play, like yeah. it was important that kids who were there for All American and and Scholastic All American and Jerry Cole Award that they deserved the right to play in the Rolex. And so that's you know I that was changed. Not it wasn't too long then before Ian went. It was hey come down for the award, but unfortunately you don't get to play in the event. We changed that because we felt it was important. You mentioned your wife's story, and I, I again, I, I think being vulnerable, me telling my story allows other people to kind of have a safe space to talk about these things because, unfortunately, there's such a stigma with these things. And you know the story of Sam Gary. Um, you know, Sam Sam is in my podcast. He's my third interview I did. So you'll have to go back and watch that. But Sam has become a, a personal friend of the family. Um, I talk to him uh, continuously. 
when COVID gets over and I can get out and do some speaking engagements, I want to get Sam involved. Um, talk about a, a, a guy that I tell Sam all the time. I said, you know, I, I, I feel guilty that Ian won because you coming out with suicidal ideation at 15 years old is rock star stuff. That's heroic stuff. And you're changing lives. And 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 the fact that um, suicidal ideation is is so un, un is not talked about now. Now I see that uh, the interview that Oprah did the other day, um, um, she had come out and talked about her suicidal ideation. I have not seen the interview yet, but I guess social media was talking about it in many contexts. But I think the fact, Kevin, that we now have a, a society that's accepting these things that that suicide, uh, the thoughts of suicide are more than the actual acts of suicide. So there's many people out there thinking about killing themselves. So how can we have a society talk about these things and get people to find coping mechanisms? And man, for me, it was golf. It was just, I after Seth died, I just immersed my life into investing in Ian's golf and being on the golf course for four hours, walking, feeling the, the wind blow and talking to people. And, you know, I'd be sitting there talking for four holes with some mom about her sister who's an alcoholic and Ian would go birdie birdie and look over at me and that. And I didn't even see him. I didn't see him go birdie birdie because I'm, I'm so in, in discussion with this mom talking about her sister that's an alcoholic. And that's kind of what golf allowed me to do is in a way disconnect from life. And uh, I, I forever, ever will owe golf something. And um, again, I just our conversation today, we've covered already a few topics that hopefully people watching this can say, hey, this is more than just, you know, the AJGA. This is more than Ian Johnston. This is more about uh, golf. This is about life. And golf, golf is a golf is an arrow in the quiver, Kevin. That's what it is. Well, and you know, kids are are not. I mean, clearly they're not immune to this stuff. And and I, you know, we had we have uh, part of our leadership links. We have these state cup series events that are massive fundraisers for us. I that, saw that. That awesome. program has has just exploded in the last three years. I mean, when I got here, we had one, and we were smart enough to look at it and go, maybe if the model works, let's do some more. Well, we're you know in twenty twenty one, we're going to have at least twelve, maybe fourteen. And they could, you know, we've got, we've budgeted this year for those events to raise uh, about three quarters of a million dollars for charity. Well, the one we just recently had in Atlanta, um, wow. David and Maxwell Ford, David's yep. the number one ranked player in the Rolex. He hosted the State Cup. Yep. yep. And, you know, one's going to North Carolina and one's going to the University of Georgia. But their, one of their benefiting charities for the State Cup event was, uh, you know, a local, uh, I think it was called Safe Harbor House. And okay. that was one of the local benefiting charities. And they had a, a, a guy that came out and spoke uh, at the dinner. You know, as, as you know, we always try to do dinners because there's the opportunity from a character standpoint to say to the kids, hey, you need to get, you know, wear a sport coat or, or at least, you know, put on slacks and a, and a shirt so you're not, you know, in your golf shoes. Yeah, so the State Cup Series is awesome, Kevin. Uh, I, I've been following it, and it's it's heroic what these juniors are, are doing. I wanted to talk about the involvement of an individual that Ian had the honor uh, to play with uh, uh, when he won the Jerry Cole Award, and that's Ricky Fowler. Um, Ricky has been kind of the face of Leadership Links. I, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed of of what these pro athletes do in getting involved in, in junior golf, and and Ricky seems to be the guy that you've gravitated to. Can you tell me a little bit about how Ricky got involved and um, kind of uh, how impressed you are with, with how he's taken to these kids? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll start by saying I, I love the guy. He is a great guy. Um, and he's 
so authentic. Um, and, and, you know, I guess, you know, Ian would probably, I would say, would say the exact same thing. Um, Ricky got involved. He played a lot of AJJ golf, uh, had a, you know, pretty good career, was an All-American, played on uh, Wyndham Cup teams. And he came from sort of that similar era of the, you know, the Jordan Spieths, Justin Thomases, and, and, and that group. Um, Ricky loves giving back. He loves making a difference. Um, and he just, he, you know, he felt like he wanted to do something, but he didn't, wasn't quite sure he wanted to do his own tournament. And so uh, we asked if he would be willing to, to get involved and help us raise some money for leadership links. And uh, he said, absolutely, what do I have to do? And so Ricky has been, um, he, to your point, he's been the face of, of what we've done with Leadership Links fundraising. Um, the kids that raise money for what Ricky does um, uh, are, are, you know, are top fundraisers across the board. They get to come down to Medalist Golf Club. They play nine holes with Ricky. They have lunch. Um, but Ricky, I mean, one year it got rained out, and Ricky said, hey, you know what, let's go to my house. And so he took the entire oh, cool. group to his house. They walk in the door, and the kid, I love hearing the kids tell the story about walking in the door, and like there's this wall of glass windows in the garage, and the garage floor rotates, and so the cars <laughs> the cars spin by the window, and the kids they were like, you know, Ricky took some kids bowling one year uh, because the weather didn't allow for golf, so you know he's not one of those athletes who shows up and goes, oh, guess we're not going right. to do it. See y'all later. Um, and it's the funny thing was the first year I was with him uh, when we were doing that, he pulled me aside. He said, I just want to make sure, like, these kids' parents aren't writing checks for, like, $50,000. And I'm like, no, no, no. These kids are raising money. And that's, right. the, you know, and he goes, I, he goes, I know you guys do it the right way. He goes, I just have to ask because he goes, you know, I could probably make $500,000 at least doing one of these. And I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. So, again, I say that to say Ricky is the kind of guy that he loves being with the kids, wants to be with those kids, and he only wanted to do it if they were actually raising money for charity, not if some parent was, you know, with a big checkbook was going, oh, so my kid can get in for, fit. okay, here you go, here's your check for charity. Ricky was like, no, this has to be authentic. This has to be kids like Ian who have a, a purpose, a cause, a desire to give back, and, and I'll, I'll, then I'll spend time with those guys. He just reminds me so much of Zach Johnson um, because Zach's that same, you know, humble, um, just a caring individual. And Zach does his fundraiser here, you know, every year, the, the Zach Johnson Charity Classic. And and Ricky came up a few years back and played up at Elmcrest. And I remember, I don't know, it was probably five years ago and I took Ian with me. And so we got to see Ricky. And then five years later, Ian played nine holes with Ricky and played 18 with Zach. Um, it was pretty cool because Larry Gladson, who is the pro at Elmcrest. Um, and you guys actually came out when Ian won the award and did a story out there and interviewed Larry. But he was Zach's original swing coach back when Zach was in high school here in Cedar Rapids. And so, you know, that was always kind of neat to say, well, you know, Ian's swing coach is Zach Johnson's swing coach. Well, I think it was right after Ian graduated, um, we were sitting around and I get a text from Larry and he says, what's Ian doing? And I said, oh, he's probably golfing at, you know, at Airport National or something. Well, Zach wants to get three kids to play with, and he doesn't, he doesn't want anyone to come out to the course. He just wants to keep it quiet. And so I didn't get to go. But so Zach and Brock Barnhart and Connor Neighbors, who's at Southern Illinois, all friends together, went up and played 18 holes with Zach, kind of like a private golf outing. And Zach had actually requested some kids to play with him. I just thought that was so awesome. You know, not, not many kids, kids, not many athletes are going to want that. They're going to say, you know, leave me alone. But I told Ian, you know, don't 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 ask for autographs, don't do photo ops. Just go up there and, and be around Zach. Just enjoy the moment. 
And that's kind of what Zach wanted. And uh, so, yeah, again, I applaud Ricky Fowler for doing this. I see you guys have all these other guys. I think Rick, uh, Billy Horschel does a tournament for you guys as well. And I know Brant Snedeker has his own Sneds tour. And it seems like these these guys and gals, I mean, there's a ton of women doing this as well, the pro LPGA women that are doing these events as well. How, how, how awesome, man. You guys just, you guys have it going. You have it going. And I, I, I want to help out as best as I can. And hopefully this podcast can get reshared or reposted. And dads and moms that are out there with junior golfers coming up can say, hey, you know, th- there is a path forged. You know, there are some other parents that have went down these roads and, and uh, we can we can pick up the phone. We can email Kevin Rinker. We can figure out how to get involved in leadership rinks. We can raise millions of dollars for charity. And that's what this is all about. That's why I wanted you on my show, man. Yeah. Well, you know, again, we're we're so fortunate here that we uh, are around a bunch of great people. And it's, you know, it's current members and families and it's the Billy Horschels and it's the Annika Sorenstams of the world um, that that have said, you know what, I love what you guys are doing. I'm willing to put my name on this. I'm willing to work alongside you. They're out there raising a ton of money uh, for us. Jack and Barbara Nicholas, you know, we've got our kids. Uh, it's actually uh, next weekend uh, that we'll have eight kids at Jack and Barbara Nicholas's house for breakfast uh, next awesome. Sunday morning, literally in Jack and Barbara's kitchen. Um, she doesn't bake the breakfast, but she gets it delivered, but it's still good. She does make her own coffee, though. Uh, and so I thought maybe a, Jack know. Jack would make scrambled eggs or something. No. <laughs> that would be that that would be bucket list stuff. <laughs> he uh, he's pretty good, but I don't think he's uh, he's not doing that for the kids. But it, it, you know, it's that's one of those incentive things, like you know, with Ricky and and uh, so we'll have eight kids in their kitchen, and then we'll take them out to the Honda Championship, uh, the Honda Classic, and they'll. Uh, they'll get to watch inside the ropes and do some fun stuff. But we're, you know, we're just, we're really fortunate that we're in a space uh, that is built on giving back. And golf is a game that gives back. Um, and whether it's a Ricky Fowler or a Zach Johnson, um, you know, and I'm sure Ricky, uh, as much as he loves giving back, he'd probably take, he'd probably take one of those Masters jackets or an Open Championship from, uh, from <laughs> Zach. I think, uh, you know, they both stand there and Ian would probably look down on both of them like, hey, guys. <laughs> But I think uh, Ricky would look over and go, you know, maybe I could use one of those trophies. But uh, it is funny you say that. The picture of Ricky and Ian in my office, it's like, you know, Ricky comes up to like Ian, like right here. Uh, but I tell you, what, Ricky bombs at 50 yards, you know, 100 yards past him on every drive. So height isn't much to do with it. Hey, as we as we wrap up, I do want to say that um, I would I would offer to the AJGA the opportunity to to use the platform that I've kind of this living undeterred mindset and the story that we have to be able to um, to offer uh, our quote services to talk to anybody out there that would like to hear this story. I will tell you this, that I formed a nonprofit called the Choices Network and it's the concept that uh, to teach kids to make better choices when it comes to addiction, substance abuse, mental health, suicidal ideation, all these things, to choose to make the right choice. and. Um, as soon as I get some money in the coffers, uh, last time I checked, I think I had like a thousand bucks in my nonprofit, uh, which was probably 990 from me. But, um, but no, it's, it's helping me pay for the books that we publish. It's helping me eventually travel. But I will make a donation to the, uh, the leadership links on behalf of Ian Johnston and, and Seth as our, 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 um, kind of as our legacy. And I will do that. And I'll let you know when I do that. But I've only made one, grant contribution and that was to Sam Gary 
to his kick it, uh, kick it for a cause. I think it is for suicidal ideation and mental health. That's the only grant we've ever made. I just had, I don't have enough money yet to be giving it out yet, but I, I'm, I want to emulate what you guys are doing at Leadership Links. And I want to try to do this Choices Network to raise funds and awareness that I can eventually start making some grants to organizations like the AJGA. And um, I do want to, I do want to thank you, Kevin, from the bottom of my heart. And, um, uh, this is my small way to pay back the golf uh, world, and um, I'm sure you and I will always be uh, connected. Uh, and and like I said, Ian would be here, but he's on his way to Arizona to get ready to play in the in a golf tournament. So, well, I you know um, I will I will say this before we wrap up: what you're doing is 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 it's just it's heroic, and it's you know it's a monumental lift for your family and for for you personally and. You know, it's it's interesting. I don't know. You know, I don't know if the best use of a relationship with with you and with Choices Network is going to be. Hey, you know, send us a little money for the Leadership Links program. I, I I'm well aware of uh, that there are kids who are struggling. I'm well aware that in a room, and I know statistically, it's almost like one in six. I think kids have you know have have issues where they either have tried to commit suicide or are successful. Right. Um, and, and so I know in our organization, and you know this way more than anybody, I just happened to learn this recently, you know, and looking, reading through your book and reading through another book that I had just been given, but we've got to figure out a way to get past the, the stigma of right. what this means. And because for parents, it's hard for a parent to sit there. And, and I heard this guy speak just recently, um, and it, it was actually not Safe Harbor. It's actually called Summit Counseling, uh, was the organization that benefited from the State Cup event. But he said, parents, when you look around this room, your kids are sitting over there at that table, and there's eight of them. Statistically, at least one of those kids has either had the thoughts or has attempted suicide, and you may not even know it. And he really was spoke to the parents to say, you've got to understand this. You can't. Your kid's life is so much more difficult than your life. You didn't have this little thing, this, this device that delivered, you know, to, to you every single moment. People telling you you weren't good enough or you didn't look right or you were wearing the wrong. Thing. So he said, don't tell me that as a parent, you walk two miles uphill to you know, school in snow and it was harder than your kids have it. Your kids, our kids, our junior golfers have it way harder. And so we've got to figure out a way to cut through that and deliver at least a sliver of hope backs you know wrapped in truth that this is the reality of where we're at so we'll have to have that conversation ongoing and figure out if there's a way where it's through your book or through something but you know i mean i really feel like um it's it's going to be a tough road because there's going to be a lot of people going you know we'd rather pretend like that's not really the reality right and let's focus on what we do but the reality is if we've got seven thousand members there's kids struggling, and you know if it, it, somehow, some way, we've got to figure out a way to, to to share with some kids that there is some hope within the whole process. And and so uh, again, I, I just applaud you for what you're doing. I applaud you for taking what was the worst thing that could have ever happened to any parent and turning it into something that, while it is hard for you some days, it's it's you're, you're shedding. Uh, some real light and giving some hope to some people who hopefully because of your story won't have to experience what your family experienced. So I, I and I love being on here. Thanks. I, you know, I love watching, you know, on social media. Uh, I love you know, the positivity with which uh, you uh, approach things. Um, I know your music choices are, are kind of you know, similar to, uh, 
to my era. Uh, I'm, I'm an eight. I'm an '80s heavy metal guy. <laughs> so uh, you know, and I, and I know, and I know you're a Florida Gator by heart. So yeah, I, I see. I see your comments when they when they lose a game, and and you poetically um, are very humble in some of your comments on, on why the game was lost. But uh, it's interesting to know you off the course, and uh, and I've, I've I've enjoyed getting to know you in our friendship. Perfect, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great day, and as, as I always end every show, uh, live undeterred.